0: Pray with me, Lord Jesus, we thank you for, our, for your word that shows us your love and grace. Open our hearts and minds to not only hear your word, but to understand it too. It is in your name that we pray, amen. Uh, the New Testament reading for today is Philippians 3, chapter, er, chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. It is page 1249 in your P-Books. Uh, But whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, God. I'm excited to have three of our students, uh, graduating seniors, uh, share their testimony this morning. We're going to hear from um, Sam Overman, uh, who's graduating from Amarillo High Will Chapel, who actually. Finished early, he graduated in December, but has been uh, hanging around, working, and continue to volunteer with the youth. And also, Alyssa Langley, who is graduating, a valedictorian from Amarillo High. So we're excited to have um, each of the three of them share their testimony and a little bit of their faith journey and what part First Presbyterian has had in their life. So uh, first, I introduce you, Sam.
2: Good morning. I'm Sam. I'm a youth leader here at First Prez, and I volunteer with the 7th grade boys on Wednesday nights. Before I found First Prez, my faith was nowhere remotely close to where it should be or where it is now. I've been baptized, and I did all the things that are considered the norm for a church, but I didn't quite understand what the purpose of being a Christian was really about. Having faith was hard, and it frustrated me to the point of not wanting to be affiliated with the church or Christianity at all. One of my very best friends, Marnie McElwraith, who many of you may know, invited me to Wednesday night a I didn't think I would enjoy it, but I went anyway, so I wouldn't feel bad for telling her I didn't want to go. I was embarrassed that my faith was slim to none, but I tried it out and it changed me. Something inside me flipped upside down, and I fell in love with God all over again. Meeting Sean, Cody, Michael, Abby Joe, and Stuart, and others changed my life. They were always willing to talk to me about my struggles with faith, and not once did they give the glory to themselves. Every time we would go to coffee or dinner, I could feel that God was giving them the correct words to say to me to combat all my struggles. I got plugged in and went on my first ski trip to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And there was a, there was a moment where I felt like God grabbed me, and He said, "Come back over here. You've been lost, and it's time for you to do work for Me." I caught fire for God, and I talked to Michael Bankhead about volunteering for middle school A and O. I began to teach, and it was a little rocky at first, but soon I began to change. I would take kids to coffee or dinner before church, and they finally started to open up to me. I remember one night during small groups, we had a really deep discussion about what it was to be a Christian, and we ended up going 30 minutes past our allotted time. That night made me realize the effect God was having on those kids and the effect God was having on me. I've loved my time here as a volunteer at A&O, and and i have loved helping with worship or listening to a kid who felt like he had no one else to come to. God has changed my life in so many ways, and I have yet to comprehend the magnitude of God's plan for me. My faith is still developing, and it's far from where it should be, but God is making changes within me and p- with the people around me so that, my actions, so that through my actions, I might be able to glorify God. This upcoming fall semester, I will be attending Texas A&M and majoring in biology. I hope to be able to find a church that I can get just as plugged in there as I did here at First Press. I pray that my faith will continue to grow as I take many steps towards being an adult. First Press has become my home, and I'm comfortable coming to any of the leaders here with my problems, or if I just need to talk to someone. I'm so thankful for everyone here at this church because there have been so many people that have been so influential in my walk with God. Many of you volunteer behind the scenes or support the ministry that I don't even know about, but every one of you guys contribute in ways that you can't even imagine. You make such an impact on kids here, and you help get all the missions functioning. There's no way I'd be able to thank all of you in the time allotted while I'm up here, but I believe that God has put many of you in my life for a reason, and you helped me find my home, and my home is First Pres. Thank you and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there.
3: Testing. Okay. Check. Okay. This is okay, cool. I'm Will Chappell. Um, good morning. Um, I have been attending A&O, First Pres since I was in sixth grade. I came with a family, uh, the Rhodes family, um, and just I fell in love. What can I say? Uh, I just have been here ever since. And I kind of fell into some leadership on accident. Um, eighth grade year at A&O, they asked me, hey, well, you kind of, you sing when we play music. You're know, like, yeah, everyone else does too. But no, no, you sing slightly louder. So you want to sing with us? Sure, that was a good argument. And so basically they just need someone to play and need someone to help out. And uh, I guess I was the guy. So I, so now I rotate in with the band um, downstairs. And I guess here I'm, I'm talking to you now. So that's cool. Um, so I I, um, I mean, I I could tell you my testimony. It would be really cool. You'd probably be like, wow, he's been through a lot. Um, but I would like to talk about my identity in Christ um, and how I found it through in you know. So here we go. I would like to ask you a question first. This is a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer it out loud. No one has to raise their hands, um, unless you want to. You should just feel called by God. Um, who are you? This is a question I was, I was asked um, beginning of the semester when I graduated early. Um, I found myself with, not a, with a lot of free time. I had to find out uh, who I was. Because um, once you have nothing to do, um, and when you find your identity in what you do, you find yourself with a lack of identity, an identity crisis. Someone asked me who I was. And uh, about in De- December back, like my high school career, middle school, um, I would identify myself with what I did. I would have started telling you things like, I'm a football player. I play music. I, I attend church. I would tell you things I did. Um, there's a few problems with that. Um, if I find my identity in the things I do, I'm going to be disappointed sometimes. We, just, we disappoint ourselves. We can't put our faiths on ourselves. We can't put our identity in who we are. We have to find our identity in Christ. So, um, so what, what does this have to do with a and um, A lot. It has to do with a lot with A&O. Um, the more I, I, I kept messing up. And I kept finding my identity and what I did. So I would just try to keep doing things. Football. I was a two-year starter in f- varsity football. Awesome, right? Well, when that was taken away from me, twice, the first time I spread my MCL freshman year, um, rocked my world. I was going to be a back-to-back starter, probably play on JV by the end of the year, freshman year. I was, not a, I was pretty good. I'm not like, trying to toot my own horn. Don't, I'm not, but, I mean, I was, I was good. Um, coming into freshman year, and I spread my MCL. The Lord taketh away. Um, and it was, it was shocking. Like I, was, I didn't know how to handle it. Um, so I, I, I found my identity in the things I did. Uh, football was no longer an option for that year, so I, I began to uh, take part in uh, slanderous ways. Um, I, because of what I found my identity in was not Christ's. My junior year, I was a uh, my junior year, I was a a starter, which was is kind of cool at Emerald High. Um, My senior year, I was a starter as well. And halfway through my senior year, I can't feel my arm. I'm I'm playing football, and uh, in the middle of practice, my arm starts to go numb. And uh, later that week, I found out that I've got a little spine, which basically means I was born. I was uh, I've got congenital cervical stenosis, which basically means I've got a little spine and they told me I couldn't play football anymore um this was not this was not good news to me I wanted to play college ball um it was definitely a high a high option so where was I take care of the three okay yeah um, I I no longer because I found my identity in what I did I was disappointed God took things away from me. And then eventually, I graduated in December and realized that I was not what I was supposed to be. Someone asked me the question in December, who are you? I couldn't answer it, not correctly at least. Um, like I said, I began to tell them things I did. a and has been something I just came to. At first, it was a social event, um, and then it became so much more because of the responsibility i kind of just fell into um i you know, has changed over the years much like myself there's been leadership changes people come and go for my freshman year we had a ton of kids and the next couple of years there was like 15 people but like our lives in christ things change you know things things are it's very malleable um but we, I didn't find my identity in the people at AO. I didn't find my identity in the games we played, the songs we sang. But uh, A&ANO, and uh, yeah, AO found its identity in Christ. People that stayed, for whatever reason I stayed, I couldn't tell you why I stayed. There was one, time, one year that I didn't know anybody. I met someone new every week, and I'd been there since sixth grade. Every, I I'd hardly, miss a, hardly miss an A&O. And so why did I stay? I don't know, but I, I think I think it's because Jesus was like, dude, you got to stay. Got to stay, because the people that did stay, they loved Jesus. They found their identity in Christ. It didn't matter if their new guy came in. Stuart's a great guy. I'm just saying people, sometimes when change happens, they, oh, I don't know what to do with change. And it's like, dude, like, you got to kind of evaluate why you're coming, but sorry um, I'm wrapping up I've been, my producers telling me to wrap it up so <laughs> um, so why, why is it important to find our identity in Christ because you will be disappointed when you put your faith in people when you put your faith in yourself a has showed me that through thick and thin Jesus Christ will prevail and he is Lord thank you
4: Good morning. My name is Alyssa Lingley, and I'm finding that many parts of my testimony are very similar to other high schoolers. I was born in Houston, Texas, and I've been going to church ever since the day I came out of the womb. I knew the story of David and Goliath backwards and forwards. Because church and God was such a common thing in my household, I took my relationship with Christ for granted. In January of 2009, my younger brother Will had a go-kart accident that almost completely severed off his right hand. His recovery required 30 days in the pediatric intensive care unit, 11 surgeries, and physical therapy up to three times a day. At this time in my life, I was only 12 years old. Not long after the initial accident, we began going to a church with a very unwelcoming youth group. During that time, my brother still required a lot of attention, and rightfully so. However, I became very selfish and wanted the whole world to revolve around me. My relationship with Christ severely suffered since I had been taking it for granted and not placing an emphasis on growing what should have been the most important relationship in my life. During during January of 2012, God led me to a and I met a lot of new people and teachers that sucked me in with their excitement. I quickly jumped on board with all the new activities, and I loved how close everyone was in the group. That summer, I went on a mission trip to Costa Rica with the church. My desire to rekindle my relationship with Christ quickly increased as I helped build a church down in the slums. It amazed me how passionate they were about worshiping and loving God when they had so much less than we do here. One night, they invited us to one of their worship services. During the music, all the kids went to the back and danced with ribbons, and they were so willing to invite us to join them. The whole trip really changed my whole outlook on life and how much God blesses us every day. I also met some people on that trip that greatly influenced my decision to transfer from the very small Bushland High School to the very large Amarillo High School of my junior year. Transferring schools has only brought me immense blessings from God. Throughout my life, I've learned that God should always be first in our lives, even when we really want want to be the most important person. We should look to him because he knows where to lead us to bless us in the long run. I will graduate from Amarillo High School in three weeks, and I will attend the Texas A M University Honors College in the fall to major in biomedical sciences, and one day I plan to combine my love of mission trips and a future surgical career.
1: It's always nice when you come into a church, I just got here in September, and you inherit wonderful kids like Sam, Alyssa, and Will, and many others, so we're I'm excited to have this opportunity to hear from them. I want to share with you a um, few uh, thoughts, and I have the exciting time of, um, of preaching a couple times in a row, so some of what I'm giving you is a little teaser for what I will share next week in a little bit uh, more expanded form. Uh, but before we begin, let me um, read our Old Testament scripture, which is a uh, part of the Shema, a daily prayer for Jews that have shared um, for literally thousands of years. It's from Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 8. And they shall be as, as um, fontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be to God. A lot of times when we um, send away our seniors, our graduating seniors off to college, we feel like that we have prepared them with this fortress, almost like a cruise ship going off in the distance, and they are well prepared. And the reality is that many seniors say that when they get to college, they have that feeling of being in a cruise ship well-prepared, but a few weeks on college campus, they feel like they're in a dinghy, in the middle of a storm, with the waves being tossed around, and the, the coastline that they've left is no longer in sight. And there they are left to go on and to, um, to wade through those difficult times. Academically, they're prepared, but what are they prepared for for the other parts of life? How are they prepared to make new friends on a college campus? How are they to know when to study, when to go hang out with friends, how to schedule their lives, when and where to eat, how to do laundry, where to find a church, and maybe even where to find a similar group like they had at a and Is there someone like Marnie who's going to come alongside and invite them to a group like A&O? And the reality is, where are they going to find their identity during those four years or five years at college? The reality is that there have been a lot of uh, studies that have uh, looked at college students, um, not just seeing what happens where they go, but what happens when they're in college. And some of the studies say that about 50% of the kids, like the three that we heard from this morning, when they graduate will leave their faith behind when they're in college, half of them. So one and a half of you. I'm not sure what half of that will happen, but that's statistically speaking. And I will show a short video that kind of illustrates in many ways what happens to too many high school students. A lot of times, we think of our faith maybe as a jacket. (laughs) We show with our faith on it. I don't know if I'm tall enough. It says, I heart JC. I love Jesus Christ on the back. And, you know, my kids, they go to school, and it's, uh, you know, 40 degrees out, and they're bundled up a little bit with a hoodie, and they come home, and it's 80 degrees the next morning. Where's your jacket? Oh, it's at school. I didn't need it. And how many of us, how many college students, their faith becomes like that? Something that at one point they start out and they think they need that. And then as life goes on, they begin to think, oh, that's really not that important. Some students, it's a conscious effort. They say, I'm going to put my faith on aside for four years and then I'll pick it up again and then put it back on. But imagine that. Four years of college where some of our most significant decisions are made. Decisions like what to major in, what career that we will have. Maybe for some people, who they will marry, and other decisions that can have lifelong potential um, results or outcome because of decisions. And we're going to say, we're not going to let our faith inform those four years of college. I think we can all sit here and say, yeah, that's silly. But maybe a lot of us have done that, and maybe we know people who are doing that now. Well, there's an organization that this video came from Another other resources called um, the Fuller Youth Institute. And they have an a, initiative called Sticky Faith that our church has been embracing and working on implementing. And it's not a program. It's really just a way of kind of uh, weaving a new thread through the fabric of First Presbyterian Church. It's a way of helping our students not just to be prepared for college, for academics, and life, but be prepared for walking with Christ outside the comfort of A&O and First Presbyterian Church. There are a lot of pieces to that, a lot of ideas that are out there. One of them is, um, is for our seniors. Out in the um, Great Hall, you'll see a table with a lot of the pictures of our various seniors in a Bible. And uh, this Wednesday, we're going to have our senior banquet and hope to give each of our seniors a Bible. But it's not just a Bible that says, from First Pres, good luck. It's an opportunity for you, as the members, to take a moment to sign that Bible. And to, if you want to, go and highlight a Bible verse that then they'll get, and they'll take it to college. And a lot of times, this first couple weeks is one of the toughest times for college students, making decisions they didn't plan on, but really feeling like they're alone and stuck. And so that's when sometimes the decisions that aren't the best happen early on that can change the trajectory of college. But as I mentioned, imagine if that dinghy is out there in the middle of the ocean. And imagine if they get a note in the mail, physical note, from someone at church to say, Hey, Alyssa, we're praying for you. And you know, in your Bible, I highlighted this verse. And I hope you'll read it and know that it's important. Or Sam or Will or all the different students to receive notes from us. So come about August when these guys are on their way to college, we hope to share with you their physical address to sit down and write a real note of encouragement, of support, because that's one of the things that shows how um, huge the trajectory is, uh, the difference of the trajectory of these students. What does this look like? Again, I said, as I said, we'll share more of this next week. But I want to share with you a story of a, um, of a person in California who understood what it was to build these relationships and to change the course of action for their student. It happened when they were in middle school. A professor at Fuller Seminary, Scott Cromode, as a member of a local Presbyterian church. And his daughter, who's in middle school, didn't like youth group. And that's okay. There's a lot of kids that don't. But she loved to sing. And she wanted to join the sanctuary choir. And they said, yes, you can come and be a part of the choir. And every um, Thursday night during choir practice, Scott would sit in the parking lot and read or do other things, waiting for his daughter to finish with choir where he would take her home. Well, um, a short time after she began to sing in the choir, his wife began, um, came down with breast cancer. And it really kind of threw their family into a tailspin. So their daughter, Sarah, still wanted to go to choir, but a member of the choir, the Thompson, said, You know, Scott, we'd be happy to give Sarah a ride to and from choir practice, since I know you've got a lot going on with your wife, going through chemo and other things like that. And so they began to, every week, just taking their daughter home. They live in the same um, part of town, so it wasn't a real inconvenience, but they began to get to know each other. Praise God, uh, his wife was healed from breast cancer. But then a few years later, when she was um, in high school, young years of high school, they moved to the other side of the church. So here's the church, here's their old house where their, neighborhood is, their neighbor is, who was taking them, and on the other side of town is where they moved to. The neighbor said, we'll still come and pick up and take your daughter to and from um, choir practice every week. An extra 20-minute drive every week, 40 minutes there and back. But they were happy to do it because it wasn't just a ride, it was a relationship. His daughter now is in college, and when she comes home on the weekends or for holidays, guess who she's always ha- sure to have a meal with? The Thompsons, who took her to and from choir. Sticky faith is about being intergenerational. We are a multi-generational church. You look around and there are people of many different ages, and that's multi-generational. But intergenerational is relationships. Relationships between people of all different ages. Because they show through statistics that what really makes a difference in people staying with their faith throughout college and young adult isn't activities with A and O, isn't going on mission trips, it's building relationships. With people of other other um, other ages who are going to help nurture their faith as they go on through life, I pray that our church will become more intergenerational, and pray for all of our seniors that they will continue to know the love and support from each of us as they go and venture into college and whatever God has in store for them. Would you pray with me, please, dear God? We do give you thanks for this church. The um, many um, ages, many generations are gathered together to worship you, that we share that in a common way. God, we pray that you would help us to build relationships, to build relationships with other people of other ages. And for each of these seniors and those whose uh, pictures and names are out on the great hall table, each of them would be prepared for where it is that you're sending them, where it is that you're leading them. And they would go with a, um, a faith and an identity that is in you. We ask this all in Jesus' name, amen. God has given to us richly and asked us to give back to him a portion of those blessings. So as our ushers come forward, let's give back to him our tithes and offerings.